Want to be the first to welcome you back to the Athlete Ready Global Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Saavedra. It has been a while since we have uploaded a podcast episode, and I'm here to tell you I am refocused, refreshed, re-energized to bring you some of the best content and value that I possibly can. You're going to have some amazing performance coaches, speed coaches, personal trainers, and some interesting fitness enthusiasts on the podcast to help you along your performance and fitness and coaching journey. So I'm excited to do that. Had to take a little break. I had to step back just a little bit. I was focused on too many things at once where I had to kind of compartmentalize a little bit and kind of downsize, if you will, uh, my focus. And now, really, it's interesting. We, we talk about programming for our athletes and our clients kind of on a, a yearly plan based on you know vacations, based on school, based on whatever it is that they're going through. And sometimes as performance coaches, we don't do, we don't practice what we preach in that kind of way. And if you know me, you've probably had these conversations before about, hey, what does it look like during you know quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four? There's gonna be different focuses in each one. When I was coaching, I was coaching, I was just pure, just focused on that. And I knew when my downtime of the seasons were, where I could focus on more networking, more continuing education, those types of things. But here to tell you, I am looking forward to bringing you some more value and content. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do give us a review, whether you like the content, you don't like the content, I'd rather get feedback and be able to help improve this and give you as much value as possible. All right, so on to this episode. I think you guys are going to really like it. All right, in this episode, it is episode 18. We got Coach Mark DeSalvo. Coach Mark, he is a performance coach and entrepreneur out there in New York City. You already know, every single time I go to New York, I have to meet up with this guy, go check out his gym and just just kind of be around the guy. He's always good energy. He's always positive. I've never even seen him upset. And he just he's just a good dude. When it comes to training jujitsu athletes, as far as their general physical preparation, he is just, he has so much knowledge. And he also practices what he preaches. He actually is a uh, BJJ practitioner himself. So he is able to understand the movements, the energy system demands, all of those things while preparing his athletes for competition. If there is one person that you, if you were looking for, you know, jujitsu strength conditioning, this is someone that you have to ask questions to. He's definitely one. I'll make sure I link his contact information in the description of the podcast. So if you have any further questions after that, be sure to hit him up. All right, and let's go. Man, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, man? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Excellent. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for your patience. I had to I had to squeeze some lunch in real quick. Before oh, I, oh, no problem. I know how it is. The back half of the day. Yeah. I know how it is. Man, that hair is is beautiful, man. Ah, thank you. I've been a I've been a supporter ever since you you started that journey, man. 
I appreciate that. I, I, should, I should have listened to you sooner. It yeah. was really uh, a COVID thing. It was like, well, it was kind of hard to get your hair cut. And then it grew out and it was like, oh, this, this looks all right. And then, yeah. I was like, this guy's going to be a, an icon in the industry with that. <laughs> well, I, have to, I have to give a shout out to um, my my good friend, uh, Erica Fleischman, who owns Fleischman Salons in New York City here. So they 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 take care of it. So There you go. There you go. If you, nice, want, man. If you want the main, you, you go to her. So. Shout out. Yeah, I, that's yeah, awesome. So, well, but let's jump right into it, man. Sure. Um, I got I a lot of questions for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's jump in. I said it's uh, all genetics. Some oh, guys yeah. are some guys are born to bench five hundred, and some people just have hair. So yeah, that's there you yeah. go. I'm jealous, man. Mine's kind of mine's changing a little bit over the seasons. Oh no, it's always good. But anyway, yeah. all right, man. Into- so let's. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about jujitsu today. That's going to be kind of our, our main topic. I want to sure. know kind of your story behind how, how you really started where, you know, to get to where you're at today, especially working with all the, the jujitsu athletes that you work with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, do you, said you want to know where I, how I got started or yeah, yeah, man, tell me how you got started. Well, I, I mean, it got started because I, re- I was involved in jujitsu myself and, uh, I really, was enamored with the sport as most people are when they get into it. And, you know, you start training, you know, a little more seriously than your intro classes. This is like a little over eight years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, about eight years ago or so. And anyway, so, but at the time, like combat sports in general, I would argue, not just jujitsu was in a weird place when it came to strength and conditioning. Like there were some really uh, interest. There were some really great coaches who were involved with it, but it was like, you could count them barely on one hand. Like one was Lauren Landau. He was working mm-hmm. with all those guys in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of guys like me. And, and like, I think honestly, he was like the biggest one I can think of. And then really it was a lot of younger guys like me who now are doing really well for themselves and have a great crop of fighters and, and, and grapplers um, but jujitsu, especially, you know, separating from MMA is very different than wrestling. It's very different than MMA. It's very, it, it has overlaps and, and, um, and similarities between wrestling, mm-hmm. but it's different enough that like, you can't just treat it like wrestling for preparation purposes. And, um, and, and nobody was at that time was paying attention to jujitsu strength and conditioning. Maybe the only one who could say it and be and say it in earnest was one of my old mentors, Steve Maxwell, because he was like one of the first dozen American black belts and he himself owned a gym and was a strength coach and was obsessed with, you know, jujitsu and preparing guys for it. Like he had, you know, he was Hoist Gracie's trainer for the first few UFCs. He was like a uh, solo barrows trainer back for those EDCCs. So, Man. You know, so I, yeah, that's, that's like kind of where it started was just like, a, oh, wow, nobody's doing this. And I, I want answers. Like, I'm very curious, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I'm looking for a niche. It was, no, it was just, I really liked, I, re, you know, I loved jujitsu um, and I wanted to figure it out more because so much of the, the, the rhetoric at the time was no, nobody, you know, you don't need to train, just train jujitsu and this kind of stuff. And I knew, you know, I knew that there's nothing unique about jujitsu that, like you wouldn't say that about football. You wouldn't say that about baseball. So I knew there was nothing unique about jujitsu in that respect. Mm-hmm. So you've been coaching for how long? Uh, te- I, this was, I believe the 10 year mark this year. Okay. Congrats yeah. on that. That's great. Yeah, so, so you've been coaching for 10 years. You've been doing uh, training jujitsu for eight years. 
what was what was it like that moment you decided like hey i'm going to try this thing like what brought you to do that because that takes a lot i mean you know you, you'll hear black uh black belts all the time tell you hey like the hardest belt to get is is a white one um just like starting starting the the journey what was that like for you that process of of just hey i'm gonna try this out and and kind yeah. of see where i can go do with it starting coaching specifically or jujitsu jujitsu um well for jujitsu well I've been a lifelong fan of combat sports and uh, I loved boxing growing up. And I love, like, I loved everything from uh, as a kid from professional wrestling all the way up to boxing and, you know, mm-hmm. and then getting into MMA, like more in my late teen years. Um, and I got a little bit into Muay Thai around that time, but I started realizing around the time I was like 18 and 19 that, you know, it's fun to hit pads and stuff, but like, hitting other people and getting hit was not, you know, like, <laughs> uh, whatever, but yeah. it wasn't going to be in my everyday. In other mm-hmm. words, you know? mm-hmm. and honestly, you know, I grew up playing hockey and I loved hockey. I, I, I think I just like violent sports, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, uh, but I grew up playing hockey and, and I had a lot of concussions. So I was very mindful as an 18 year old kind of before a lot of the concussion stuff that, you know, that's not a good way to exist. You know, like you don't want to, you don't want that. So, you know, anytime I would get rocked in the head, you know, mm-hmm. be a, doing anything like outside of hockey, I was like, that's not good. So, uh, but it doesn't mean I didn't not want to participate in it. So it just kind of took me some time to sort of find jujitsu and, and get to the point where I really wanted to do it. But, um, there was always the desire to get involved again with some martial art or some, uh, or some combat sport. But for me, it was really difficult because, you know, you're in college and you know, you don't have a lot of money and then you get out of college and you're trying to get into something like coaching, like what I, you know, like what we do. And, you know, you, you just don't have the funds to do that kind of stuff. And honestly, like in a weird way, it's like, you don't have the time, especially at first. So, um, but then you, you know, then paradoxically you suddenly have lots of time when you're a new coach. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, so as soon as, honestly, as soon as I was making enough money where I was like, Hey, I can, I'm, I can spare a little bit. I went right over to Marcelo Garcia's and that was how it all started. So it was like, it was in the making for a while. Yeah. Okay. And then you taking on your first, uh, BJJ client. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Ooh, I'm trying to remember who the first one would have been. Um, my, one of my earliest memories was of a guy on the mat. So it, it all just came from being at, being on the mats, you know, being there day in, day out. And you get to know people and people know what you do. Um, especially in today's world, like you have no excuse cause you know, everyone has social media and everyone's looking at social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you even document a fragment of your day, and you're friends with these people, they're going to see it and they're going to know what you do. And then they'll ask you things. So, um, there was a guy at our gym who I believe had just gotten his Brown belt and, you know, he wasn't a pro competitor, but he was a very serious guy, like a very serious trainee guy, like competed a lot, trained all the time, was having like severe back pain was, uh, very, uh, you know, like when I started talking to him, I realized like lifestyle habits, everything was just so out of whack you know, wasn't sleeping, was on crazy amounts of caffeine to just get through the day. And he's training twice a day and he's working in New York city and has a full-time job. And, uh, yeah, he was, he, and his body was a wreck and he was like a ticking time bomb. 
And he was the first that I spent a lot of time with. So I saw the extreme of like, this is somebody who is in really, is in a really bad spot injury wise, like, because as a result of training and not taking care of themselves, mm-hmm. which is a lot more people than you'd think. So that was my first exposure to like that side of the, um, the arena. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, the, the, the guys I started working with more often were guys who, you know, we would just talk in the locker room or before or after class, these were more guys, my own age. So I got my, at that time, it was like, you know, 25, 26. And, um, you know, you're kind of like, you feel invincible. So you don't mind trying kind of anything mm-hmm. out. So I, they would tell me th- things they were doing and be like, what do you think? And I'd be like, that like, sounds cool. I'm going to try that. And then, you know, we would just mm-hmm. exchange, we would just exchange ideas and, you know, it wasn't very, um, rooted in anything like for, well, for me, I'm trying to give them good advice, but they're telling me like, Hey, I'm going to do this crazy shit, whatever it was. And, uh, after I started talking to them enough, I got this idea sometime around 2018 or 2017. And, uh, I said, why don't you guys come in on Saturday mornings? Cause I never, I'm never seeing anybody on Saturday mornings. And it was like the four of them. And I was like, just, you know, we'll pull together money. Like, I'm not going to charge you a lot. Like it was very, very little. And I said, come in every Saturday morning. And we started uh, doing that like every Saturday morning. And I wrote a program for them. And then for the guys who were really serious, I was like, this is what you should do during the week. And they'd take a picture of it on their phone or write it down. And, you know, they were usually talking about like, they would have all the gear when they came to my spot, but when they were on their own, um, you know, half of them had a gym, half of them just had some kettlebells. So it was like, you know, if we had to, we had, you know, adapt a little bit. Yeah. But this is kind of a long story, but yeah, this is, this is how I kind of started. This was like my, like kind of two way in, you know, Mm -hmm. but the time between the guy who was super wrecked and that training group was probably like almost two years. Like it was like, you know, I couldn't get anyone to really be interested at first. Well, that brings Uh, me to kind of my next question about that, because coaches, especially young coaches, you know, I get asked all the time, like, how, how do I position myself to be perceived as an expert in something that I'm not really, I don't have a lot of experience myself in. So for you, for example, you just started your jujitsu journey. How do you position yourself as a strength conditioning coach to these, these people who are really good at jujitsu? Do they look at you differently? Like, Hey, this guy is, is young in the sport. Um, how is he going to be able to, to help me? Like, how do you answer those questions or how do you position yourself to, to be the go-to guy? You know, it's one of those things like you have to, you, you can't pretend like you are an expert when you're only like two years into it, because like, if you're really good at lying to people, then you're, that you're being kind of, that's like Mm -hmm. very disingenuous and it's going to come back to bite you. Um, and if, but if you're, it's like the, the two ends of the spectrum, like you don't want to lie to people, but you and oversell, but you don't want to undersell yourself. Um, so, you know, it's really, there's an old phrase that one of my old mentors, Charles Poliquin always used to say that relationships are built at the speed of trust. And that's like one of my core, like business values that, you know, I always come back to all the time is I never force anything. It's like, these, this, when you're in training, you have to realize you're in, you're, you're having relationships with people. Like these are, these are not, it's not purely transactional. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, you, you know, you're going to have to take that time. Like 
go and invest, go and like invest in your time, basically like mm-hmm. be at the gym, like talk about them about things other than training, you know, like it's, it's about showing them that you care. And if they know that you care and that you do this thing and you're making a living off of it, like then you do look like enough of an expert because mm-hmm. like, this is literally how you pay your bills and you care about X person and it just compounds and it goes right. from, so you just can't force things. Um, you know, it's hard to tell yourself that while it's going on, but you know, I, I was lucky that I had the people in my life that I did from like a support structure to sort of remind me of these things. So I didn't get too bent out of shape during it. So that's why I think, you know, having, you know, good family and friends or mentors or these things are helpful is they can remind you and make mm-hmm. sure you're not acting out and, you know, you don't turn it on yourself basically. Okay. And now that you have like this experience, the, all the plethora of experience that you do that during that, like initial intake of a new client, what are some of the things that, you know, again, with the knowledge that you do have now, what are some of the things that you ask and what kind of assessments do you do initially to get kind of a good like landscape of, of this person's, this person's body, their history, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's the same assessment I use for all athletes and clients, honestly, you know, there's not, there, there are on the one end of the spectrum, special strengths that make up, um, a great jujitsu athlete, like attributes that you want to really emphasize. But for most people, they just need to be more complete, healthy humans first. And a lot of people who are in jujitsu are not there to be like top level competitors. And so you have to make sure that they're doing that first. And, and you, and by say doing that first, I mean like being healthy humans that can move and have basic strength and decent cardio and they have adequate mobility. Um, you know, like if it's a triangle, the base of the triangle of like a class population, that's like the base of the triangle. Mm-hmm. And then you work your way up of competitors and how seriously these people take it. And then you have the top of the food chain people, um, you know, typically the top of the food chain people are, are obviously they've taken care of those, those health habits and those, um, you know, and, and, and they're adequately strong, good athletes, but, you know, so occasionally they haven't, like, they're just so good at jujitsu. They're so good at the sport. Um, but most people it's just be it figuring out where their weaknesses are and shoring those up and making sure that, um, they're doing th- making sure that if they're already strong, that we take the time to make sure that, you know, they're not in pain. Um, if they're in pain, making sure we work through that and then get them strong. Um, if their endurance is really poor, we work on that, you know, it's just kind of making sure that they're like a complete athlete all around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, speaking of that, speaking of like fitness qualities, um, yeah. how would you define the difference between like fitness and actual conditioning? Um, when, I mean, it's probably semantics depending on who you ask, but Mm -hmm. like when I hear those words, I think conditioning to me, I put more in, in the realm of, of like energy systems and how you, how you respond to, you know, being under stress, high heart rates, cardio, in other words, um, and fitness, I look at as a sort of general blanket term as a, like it includes cardio it includes sort of general strength, GPP like these kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know, I guess if you're listening to this, like as somebody who's newer, or younger, kind of trying to figure these things out, it's, you know, 
have a system and sort of stick to it. Cause sometimes it just gets semantics like laden and, and there's not, there's not a lot of difference between what a lot of good coaches do. It's just, there's like little nuances, but like 90% of what they do is like all the same. You know? yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. What would you say? Maybe some mistakes that you've seen online, maybe from, from other coaches, maybe athletes, um, just kind of in general that you may see on social media, which social media doesn't really give the, the whole entire picture, but what are yeah. some things that you've seen online that's like that you see as mistakes and like, what are some solutions to them? Well, it's always tough because you never know the context of what mm-hmm. you're seeing. like on Instagram. Like when mm-hmm. I see somebody like, that's why I don't spend a lot of time thinking that way about things. Like I'll say this to say, to answer mm-hmm. your question, mm-hmm. because you know, there's so many situations where I'm like, yeah, you know, that could be a good idea to do, um, for somebody, but man, I think I see like one person every other year who that would be good for. And they're sharing it on Instagram and it's like, all right, maybe that was really, maybe that's exactly what that guy needed. And, and, you know, and he's going to go rock his next few matches and, you know, be a world champ. I, I don't know. That'd be awesome. But, um, I think neglecting sort of the basics, what we were talking about, like looking at people's like being able to assess well people's posture, for instance, especially mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu, because it's a sport. That's a sport that's like all based on like how bad can I break down your posture to make you submit. So it's like if if you have really 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 terrible postural muscles anywhere, lower back, upper back, shoulders, you know, um, that's generally where it's going to be, or your neck. Mm-hmm. Like like you need to be working on that, and you probably can't do enough work on that, and. You know, because you'll never see a top guy, especially with ADCC coming up, you'll never see an ADCC guy with a small neck and who like walks like this, maybe like one guy. And he's like the freak, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, and he's just so good at jujitsu, but most of them are going to have crazy good posture. They're going to have, um, like really strong upper backs. Um, so I just, the mistake, if there was one, I just don't see enough. Like you're going to see on my Instagram they're going to see guys doing like the same five exercises, like three out of every five things I post. Cause it's just like, that's what we're hammering home. Like, cause that's what jujitsu terrorizes. And it's like what you need the most, you know? So never be afraid to just be strong and just constantly be strong. You know, um, it doesn't mean you neglect other things. It doesn't mean that some of the cool weird looking stuff that like these really crazy power movements doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means that, you know, there's, there's a time and place for them. And usually the, usually the, the nuttier, the exercise is the, the time and place is probably that much less. Like that's, that's what I'm getting at. What would you say the average, um, camp, I guess, or do most of your athletes, did they work with you year round? Yeah. So that's a good question. That's the hardest part about jujitsu as you probably know from MMA as well, mm-hmm. that they're constantly taking fights or having tournaments. There is no off season. Um, I always try to get, if I can get the optimal way for me to work with someone is understanding that we're going to be together in the long term, And we look at the next six months to a year. And I want to know what one or two tournaments are most important to them or what one or two matches are most important to you. And when they tell me that, then we can peak you around those times. So you might compete at any point in between there, but I'm not changing the plan unless like you know, or they're not changing the plan unless like something really calls for it. You know, we're trying to get you, if it's for worlds, like, and there's a lead up of tournaments, like obviously like I'll taper maybe prematurely a little bit the week of a few of those tournaments and they not like do anything too crazy that week. 
but the eyes on the prize of worlds like, or like in my case now with the one guy I'm working with, he's, um, he's going ADCC. So like that's in September and like, that's, that's the prize. Like he's going to be doing super fights and stuff in between, I'm sure. But like, they're not, you know, we're going to, we're looking at ADCC as the time. Like right now it's very general prep for a harder camp ahead. So it's not like, we're not, we're not whooping his ass or anything right now. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, we're, we're working hard, but we're, we're, we're trying to build, build the baseline, which, you know, he's a professional. He's already got, got that in droves. Yeah, absolutely. So if any young coaches are listening to this, when you say like general prep, like, would you take us through like a a session design, just, just a typical example of a session design during this type of phase? Yeah. So, you know, the, now, like what I always tell people is, is like, wherever you want to take somebody, like if you have an end goal in mind when you're programming, and you know, like right before ADCC, I want to make sure he's lifting around this much for this many reps. Um, I want to see this speed on like the, like the VBT monitor. I want to see like, you know, this weight, this body comp, whatever. Then you have to work back at like, well, what does it take to get someone there? You can't just like peak them like in four weeks to do it. I mean, maybe you can, if their base is awesome, but um, you always have to work back. Like if you want to lift, this is what I tell a lot of the guys that I work with who power lift and they're lifting big weight is like, if you want to lift big weight, you're probably gonna have to take eight weeks before that to get in the condition just to lift big weight. So you're gonna have to start with the longer sets and the bigger volume and then slowly cut it down and watch the intensity go up. And then we can start rattling off doubles mm-hmm. and triples and maybe singles by week, you know, 12 or whatever it is. So it's my, um, you know, so I look at things in a very macro view first, because you have to understand like where your North star is. And if you understand that, then you can always make adjustments, you know, don't be afraid to make adjustments, you know, mm-hmm. the higher level, the athlete, you're going to need to make more adjustments and your program will never look like it does like written out. You could be very anal retentive and that's actually a good quality in my mind. I wish I was more that way and write out like 12 weeks of exact workouts day to day, but you have to know that that's going to change. Like there's going to be things that pop up and absolutely have things. So, um, I don't know if that answered or if you, yeah, no, I did. That did for sure. Um, for young coaches as well. Like if they, well, I guess how, how would you teach a young coach who may have never experienced an adrenaline dump themselves? or, uh, you know, they're working with athletes that are very, very new or kind of beginning their jujitsu journey that really haven't dealt with those types of stress. Like what would you teach them from your experience, uh, in order to like really help them prepare for those, uh, for those moments? You know, I think that's one thing that makes combat sports unique is that I think you have to sort of experience it yourself on some mm-hmm. level to really get it. Like I agree. really good coaches will understand and be able to adapt it. Like, and you never will set foot in the cage or the mats and that's fine, mm-hmm. but it's really hard unless you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very different. And like, like sparring two rounds with gloves only is so different than eight minutes jujitsu, you know, is so different than, you know, four minutes sparring with, you know, with kicks and everything and MMA cage wrestling, everything. Mm-hmm. It's all so different and it takes it out of you in different ways. So like, you know, I like that question a lot because years ago, a friend of mine also said to me, like, 
you know, I had a good friend, Froyland Sanchez. He's a great trainer in LA. Like if you're a runner and are like track athlete, track and field, like he's your guy. Um, and he's, we would always say like, you know, like you have, sometimes you really have to train hard to know what training hard is, you know? Cause, um, you know, those, especially when you're dealing with like a combat sport or like you have people with very extreme goals, like you kind of have to know that. And it can be really hard. Like we, we felt like outsiders. I remember I had like just started jujitsu and everything felt hard. So I couldn't really like, I couldn't really say if I was training hard or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, I, um, when you was know, your first adrenaline dump? Uh, definitely when I played hockey, like when we, when you're not, when you're a teenager and they start having you run these drills and you have to do them in like 60 seconds or less, like mm-hmm. basically like suicides of this, the hockey equivalent of suicides, you know, that kind of thing. That was probably it. Um, I definitely have had many adrenaline dumps in jujitsu. Probably oh, man. It's the worst. Yeah. My first competition, I definitely did my first competition. And I had it in the bullpen beforehand. Cause I was like too warmed up. So that was like a, that was a, that was a problem before that match. Um, that was a mistake on mine. So like with, with my professor and it was someone that I was training as well, you know, he had told me, Hey, just, just show up whatever weight you are, just show up at it. Like you don't need to cut. Yeah. You don't need to do any of that. Just it's your first tournament, you know? And I got to the competition when I was supposed to to get there and it ended up being like three hours behind. So like you said about just, uh, I was too warmed up. Um, you know, I was, I was in a d- division where I was, I weighed in at 191 and a half and yeah. this division was from 190 to 215. So it was a huge discrepancy in, in weight there. And so like uh, I was in my, my first match and I was just super amped. I was like excited. And, and, uh, um, and man, like we, once we got to tussling a little bit, hit the, hit the mats and dude, my, I was just zapped. Like this was like 20 seconds in, I had nothing else to give in 20 seconds. Yeah. And we hadn't even really done anything. All we had was, was each other's grips and I was done. And I was like, man, that's real. Yeah. It happens to a lot of people. I think you like, if you're going to be a competitor, you're mm-hmm. going to go to it once. Like, so you may as well just like try to compete mm-hmm. as much as you can when you're younger and early on, cause just get it out of the way. Cause it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Um, it is going to happen. Yeah. I think that also important to think about too, with that, with, as it relates to, you know, experiencing and knowing like kind of like how hard to push people just remember it's like less is almost always more. So if you're really unsure and you have no interest in jujitsu and you know, like you end up training jujitsu people, which I kind of think probably most people aren't that way. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to be training jujitsu guys, you're probably in the jujitsu yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just remember a lot of these guys train so much jujitsu is strength training on its own. Like um, I'm going to botch this, but there was a, but the, you'll get the, you'll get the uh, impression or like the, the important bits, mm-hmm. from, but there was a study done on Olympic athletes in all Olympic sports to see when, if they were to take, it was either a biopsy of the muscle or it was either they were trying to look at the blood lactate and like those hydrogen ion levels to see like how much like was actually built up. Um, in the blood and the two sports that had the highest readings were swimming and judo. So it's like that ability to sort of, uh, so you can, so what you can surmise from that is that, you know, in a sport, especially gi jujitsu, it's like you're gripping and pulling Mm -hmm. 
holding and all this isometric tension and then these quick movements, like you're creating a lot of muscle damage. You're creating a lot of, um, you know, like waste product that your liver has to deal with. So every jujitsu class is like this, depending on how intense it was, it's like a strength training session of its own. So like, at, you know, in reality for a lot of people, like training probably needs to start more gentle and then work its way up and then pull itself back down like any good program. So absolutely, yeah, usually start with less. Absolutely. All right. Before I let you go, man, we're going to play a, a quick, a quick little game. Um, uh, it's, it's going to be how you respond. All right. So it's going to just be kind of your initial response to some of these things that you may commonly hear from uh, an athlete and a coach. All right. Okay. All right. So the first one would be if a jujitsu athlete responded to you uh, in, in your coaching or during your assessment that, oh, I didn't really think strength matters as much in combat sports or jujitsu. What would your response be to that? I would tell them why are there weight classes then? <laughs> you know, Thank you. Yeah. Great response. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a great response. Uh, and they don't really think about those things uh, at all. Um, yeah. Cause it's always like, oh yeah, strength doesn't matter until it matters until you meet someone with equal sk uh, skill as you. And then all of a sudden, and they're a lot stronger than you and they're just as skillful. That's, yeah. that's not going to be a good one. Definitely. And if you're that much stronger than somebody, even when they're decent, like you can probably really mess them up. Like maybe not a black belt, but like, you know, that was another thing that Steve Maxwell had always taught me too, is like, as good as you think your jujitsu is, even if you feel like you have good, like street jujitsu and like good self-defense, like you don't want to get hit by one of those big bouncer dudes. So you mm -hmm. should probably avoid it. Yeah, know? absolutely. That was, a, that was a great one. And my last one is if a coach or a, prof a professor told you, Hey, you know, Mark, I want you to train my athlete, but I want to make sure that it's BJJ specific what would you, how would you respond to that? Has to be BJJ specific. I would, I, well, my first question would be, what do you mean by that? Uh -huh. <laughs> because it goes back to what I said before, like they're all athletes are athletes. So you need to like, you need to treat them as the human first, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, like I'll be the judge of if, how specific they need to train, you know? Absolutely. So, no, that's on. That's spot on. Well, man, Thank you so much for your time, Ro. I will not keep you any longer. I enjoyed no, it. Please. I'm, I'm happy to do it as long as you need, man. Yeah, man. No, we're, we're good for today, but uh, appreciate it, dude. I got to be, I got to go to New York and visit you sometime. Definitely, man. No, it's about to be, you know, the weather's getting really nice. So it's a perfect time of year to come. Yeah, absolutely. How do you like your new spot where, where you're at? Um, well, uh, I'm actually moving. You just apartment. moved. Oh, so you yeah, haven't moved yet. Next month. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. Like, my gym's in the same spot. Um, at least for now, we'll probably be moving in the next like few years here, but maybe sooner, but, um, but the gym's been great. Yeah. Brooklyn's yeah. great. Manhattan, everything's been good. Yeah. Hopefully within the next three or four months, I'll be, be able to get out there and visit you. Great, man. No, I look forward to it. All right, man. Thanks for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. I, mean, I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to talk to you. Absolutely.